In September 1978, Stephen King published The Stand. It's a massive post-apocalyptic story that captured the imagination of his growing legion of constant readers and introduced them to the ultimate villain, Randall Flagg. Cut to many years later, my guest in studio has written a book all about The Stand. It's called In This Dark Chest of Wonders, 40 Years of Stephen King's The Stand. Andy Burns, uh, welcome to the studio. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to see you. So why The Stand? I mean, we let, well, no, let's talk about The Stand first of all. Okay. Why do people love The Stand? What's it all about? So The Stand is really, um, for a lot of diehard Stephen King fans, uh, it could be considered one of his many magnum opuses, because he's written a few. Um, It is, as you said, it's a post-apocalyptic thriller. It's what happens when 99% of the world is killed off by a virus that's created by the United States. It goes by many different names, probably the most popular one that's actually gotten into pop culture is Captain Trips, which was taken from a nickname for the Grateful Dead's Jerry Garcia. Um, It's a huge book, and it really touched... I think one of the reasons people still read it today is it is very timeless. Mm -hmm. Um, Over the course of his career... Stephen King has updated it. He's gone back like three or four times yeah. right? and, and, and changed some of the references. Maybe if he added in cell phones, this would be a, a book that you would read today and go, oh, well, it, it was written yesterday. That That's uh, the perfect point. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that people still read it. And one of the, you know, there was a thing in the U.S. on PBS about the, I think it was like the 100 greatest novels. And, and it was sort of like a voting thing. And the stand was on there. And it really is a timeless piece. And, and just as you said, you take you could take out some of the references, you could update a little bit of the technology, but other than that, it is it is very of every moment. Um, and so it's a big story. It's got, you know, multi-characters. And as you said off the top, it is it has one of, if not the great Stephen King villains, which is Randall Flagg. Um, people might recognize that character. Uh, not many people, since they all didn't go see The Dark Tower when it was out a couple of years ago. But Matthew McConaughey played yeah. Randall Flagg in The Dark Tower. Um, the Stan miniseries that aired back in the uh, in the mid-90s, uh, Jamie Sheridan, that was sort of his right. first um, really prominent role. He yeah, played he Randall on, Flagg. And he went on to be on Law & Order and lots of other stuff. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Guy with the eye patch on Law & Order, if you're trying to, if you're trying to <laughs> place his face. So it's, it's really, you know, in... In sort of doing the research in my own experience with the book itself, it w- it's one of those books that fans really come back to. Um, but I think because it really is, it, it was King's first epic. And, and as I said, he's written a few now. Yeah, when I first started reading Stephen King was around the time that everybody started reading Stephen King in the 70s. Uh, I probably saw Carrie first. I imagine right. I saw the movie first and then started reading the books and worked myself through. There were probably, by the time that movie came out, there were probably two or three books at least. And and they were. They were quick reads. They were, you know, well-written, horrifying, all the stuff, that, and, and seem to really touch on things. Carrie works, I think, because it, it, it touches on uh, the horror elements that, as a 14 or 15-year-old, I was all into. I was all into horror movies. But it also touches on feeling like an outsider, which I think at some point when you're a teenager, absolutely you do. You know, there's all sorts of, of universal themes woven into them. But the book started getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and The Stand was the first one that felt like, you know, a doorstopper. It was, and you know that—that's one of the things. When it when it first came out, it was, um, you know, when King wrote it, it 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 was you know roughly twelve hundred, thirteen hundred pages, and his publisher at the time, Doubleday, made him 
make cuts and it wasn't for artistic purposes. It's because the book was physically too big and the, and <laughs> there would be all sorts of cost issues. And the publisher, you know, the, the good thing I suppose is that they, you know, they said to King, we can cut it or you can cut it. They let him do it. They let him do it, you know, and it's so, you know, he left in what he thought was appropriate and what he could live with. But, um, you know, as the years progressed, it became um, it became one of those things where people often asked him about the characters. Those characters really mm-hmm. resonated um, to the point where back in 1990, um, he was able to basically put in the stuff that he took out. Um, not necessarily everything, you know, like it's not he, he he's not a precious writer where he yeah, thinks yeah. everything needs to be in there. But he was able to give what he thought the book lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, expand on some characters, add in some really cool scenes that weren't necessarily that he, that he did have to take out that weren't necessarily that had to be there, but here's the opportunity it, to imagine put them back. It's kind of like the director's cut. Of exactly. A movie. Yeah. Exactly. And the interesting thing, as you say, like the director's cut, um, this has now become the, that 1990 version has become the, the de facto proper version, right. um, you know, in in a way like the Star Wars films, you know, if yeah. you really loved, you know, that first Star Wars and New Hope, you're, you you can't find it anymore. And it's the same with The Stand is that 1978 version. I got lucky, in fact, when I was writing the book, because my experience was with that 1990 version that came right. out when I was 13. Um, I managed to find a first edition of the original book on Kijiji. Wow. And I uh, don't know if the guy didn't necessarily know what he had mm. because those are pretty rare at yeah. this point. A little should be a little bit expensive and I paid $40 for yeah, it. Wow. And wow. I I slept my, you know, then 7-year-old daughter on the yeah. subway. I'm <laughs> like we got to go make this pickup. What are we doing? Where are we going? I'm like just just come with me we're, for we're this. We're going to a parking lot yeah, right. somewhere to yeah. <laughs> watch my back, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking with Andy Burns. The book is called This Dark Chest of Wonders, 40 Years of Stephen King's The Stand. Here's the thing about this book, about your book, is that you can't go to a store and buy it right now because you worked with a really unique publisher named Cemetery Dance, and they publish very high-end, very limited runs of books so you've got a beautiful hardcover, a thousand of those are out in the world. They sold out in a week, but people can still read this book somewhere. Yeah, yeah. people can find it digitally, which, uh, and, you know, it's one of those things too where I, I'm a big proponent of, of digital reading. You know, I, I read physical and I read digital. The digital copy is just as beautiful as as the hardcover. There's always something to be said about holding a hardcover in your yep. hand. But when I saw the finished version that you can get at Amazon.ca, Amazon.com, you can get it on at Kobo, you can get it in the Apple Store. It's available everywhere. Yep. And really, I you know, it's great in so many ways that the book sold out to those sort of diehard Stephen King fans. Um, but I think the majority of reading is going to come from people that are finding it on um, on oh, digital platforms. Yeah. Uh, and I'll s- say one thing. When the book, um, the book's been av- available digitally now for a little while, and it actually made some Amazon charts. And that wasn't something I expected right. because, as you say, you know, the publisher is a great publisher. They're a great horror publisher. Uh, the owner, Richard Chismar, um, is a New York Times bestselling writer, and he's actually co-written with Stephen King. And so there's a relationship mm-hmm. there, and they're very well regarded. Um but I didn't anticipate um, 
anybody sort of finding it other than in that, you know, that initial run where we where we did sell out the thousand copies in, in a very short span of time. So the fact that it's available digitally and, you know, until the Internet goes boom, it's always going to be available <laughs> digitally. I thought that was I, I'm very happy with that. And yeah, yeah. It, it's a great way for people to find it. And uh, when they do find it digitally, it's got all the same photographs, all the Absolutely. art, everything. It's yeah, all... the, the same art as well. And in the the front cover is um, was got a British uh, a British artist named Vincent Chong who has done uh, previous Stephen King works. And uh, Randall Flagg, this villain that we've talked about, is front and center on the uh, on the cover, and it's like blew my mind to see it. You know, it's a very it's a very enticing cover. Once again, you know, I've got my my daughter at home. She's like. That's a really scary cover, Dad. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's great, right? <laughs> when we come back after the break, and we're a few minutes away from that yet, we're going to talk about how you first discovered The Stand. Uh, but before that, um, let's talk about Randall Flagg. The name has come up a number of times here. What makes him the best Stephen King villain? You know, it is... It's his presence. It's, you know, in the stand, you know, speak, because Flag has shown up, as we said, in the Dark Tower. Yeah. He was he was really the main villain throughout that series of books, which are um, essentially Stephen King's Lord of the Rings. Um, just, you know, eight books of magnificence in, in many ways. Those yeah. were life-changing books for me. But he is sort of, you know, he's devious. He's duplicitous. He is also in the stand itself. He is, he is the main villain. And, and for those that haven't read the stand, as we said, it's about the end of the world. Um, and there become there's two factions. There's essentially the good guys and the bad guys. The good guys are led by a hundred year old um, lady named Mother Abigail. The uh, air quotes bad guys are led by Randall Flagg. Randall Flagg, he, you know, his motivation for being essentially evil is never totally made clear. Um, it's more about I, I think looking sort of for for power and right. for respect. But when he gathers. You know, the people that flock to him in this book, they flock to Las Vegas. That's where he sets up shop. And he's not necessarily doing all sorts of bad things. You know, he's got people working detail. He's got, you know, he has a, like, clean living, no drugs, you know, sort of thing that that's set up. But yet he's this kind of monstrous guy in, in the stand where don't tick him off. Because he'll rip your throat out. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a lot of cult leaders who have rules and absolutely, and, you know, uh, and and have these things. And, and from the outside, you look at them and you go, "Well, look, they're all vegetarians, and they're all That's you know." Right. But you don't know what madness is happening behind closed doors. Is that sort of magnetic personality that was really, um, you know, Jamie Sheridan in the in the miniseries that came out, uh, you know, as we said in the nineties, uh, he really embodied that, like that charismatic, you know, all dressed in jeans, you know, jean jacket, jeans, you know, looking sort of looking the part of that kind of Manson esque kind of figure, um, but really like just just a plain old kind of evil bad guy who's who's you know. He's twisting the world to how he thinks he wants it. And this happens throughout those various books that, that he appears in, um, almost to play with things. You know, he doesn't – and that's a lot of, you know, Stephen King villains. You know, you think of, you think of it, right? You think of Pennywise the Clown. Um, those are horrific evil monsters that when you see, you know, clowns freak us all yep. out no matter what. But then there's that, that, that malleability. And the teeth and the whole exactly. thing, yeah. uh, Flag winds up being – um, a cult of personality in a lot of ways. 
We'll leave it there. Uh, Andy Burns is my guest. When we come back, we're going to talk about how he discovered The Stand. His book is called This Dark Chest of Wonders, 40 Years of Stephen King's The Stand, available in a digital copy at Amazon.ca and anywhere that you download fine books. Legally, of course. Stay with us. Welcome back. In studio, Andy Burns is here. This Dark Chest of Wonders, 40 Years of Stephen King's The Stand, uh, is available as a digital book because you're too late to buy the hardcover. That's right. You're too late to buy the beautiful (laughs) hardcover. They're sold out uh, from Cemetery Press, but check it out at Amazon.ca, Amazon.com. Anywhere that you legally download books, you will find it there. And this is everything that you need to know about The Stand, one of uh, Stephen King's many magnum opuses, but really his first book that I think it was the first book that people stood up and said, oh, I mean, he's been a good genre writer. He's been Absolutely. a good sort of pulpy writer, but man, this guy can actually put words together in a in a in an interesting way that develops themes over you know a thousand page book. You, you know, you could uh, his previous books, Carrie and uh, Salem's Lot and The Shining, are all classics, and you know, and they and they all did well yeah. for him, you know, fairly quickly. But um, you wouldn't say they're epics. You know, yeah. they're just not. You know, The Stand is. Um, it's it goes across America. It is it is in many ways, you know, the first, you know, quarter, you know, even close to half is excuse me, it's characters traveling. Uh first you're seeing the the decimation of America. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, in in a good chunk of that is happening um in New York. Um but this is it 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 is big and broad. It was sort of bigger than anything King had done before. And and in some ways um it's still it's it's not his biggest, but it's still pretty Pretty darn big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably his most expansive in terms of scope. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. For one book. Yes. Because there's The Dark Tower. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> that series. I could talk The Dark Tower for hours. I know. So. You talk about that, uh, or I have, I've, I've heard you talk about that. Um, let's talk first, though, about The Stand and how you found The Stand. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid. I was a kid who grew up in the 80s. Uh, you know, I was, I was an adolescent in the 80s, and... As we know, those those were different times, um, as Lou Reed once said. But times because when your parents weren't watching what you were reading or uh, watching on video or whatever. Ex- well, so here's the th- interesting thing about about I, my parents. My you know I the first Stephen King book I read was Christine, right? And it was my dad's copy, and no one had any qualms about me picking it up. Um, and I had parents that, you know, encouraged me to read and I got my hands on, you know, a lot of more adult stuff, not, you know, not X-rated adult yeah. stuff, obviously, but just more like stuff geared towards adults. So I was a Stephen King fan, you know, when I was like seven, eight, nine years old, I was reading that stuff. And then in 1990, I was 13 years old and, uh, I was a Jewish kid in Thornhill, Ontario and my bar mitzvah was coming up and, um, you know the big rite of passage for for a for a Jewish male, and you know I got I I, I can't really remember really you know the gifts that came, uh, you know a few here and there, but the one I've always remembered, the one I remember vividly that I got was a copy of the stand, right. and it was from friends of friends of my dad, you know the aunt and uncle, the air quote and aunt and right. uncle, who we were very close with, and yeah. they knew I loved Stephen King. And they gave me this massive book. And I, I was a big reader at 13, but still, this was, you know, 1,200, 1,300 pages. I wasn't taking this on the bus to school <laughs> or walking with it so I could read it during recess. So I would come home every night, and I would sit on the couch in the living room that I shared with my with, – I lived with my mom. 
And I would just, you know, the way probably kids today immerse themselves in, in Harry Potter, right. I immersed myself in the stand. And it was sort of like you get your work done, you do your homework, then you go sit on the couch and you just read. You can read a chapter. Yeah. yeah. And it was, you know, we talk about, you know, this is a book that has been updated. It had a lot of pop culture yeah. references. I remember, I vividly remember one of the scenes in the book that was put back in was um, Stu Redman, who is sort of the hero character in the book. And he is recounting a tale of being at a, a gas station one night. And a guy pulls up and he strikes up a conversation. And he, afterwards he says, you know, the guy looked really familiar to me. And he turned to his his friend in, in this book, Franny, and he says, I think it was Jim Morrison of The Doors. <laughs> Which... You know, for me at 13, I was just starting that whole world of classic rock and yeah. like in the doors. And, and you probably had a copy of No One Here Gets Out Alive I was just somewhere say, because I, every 13-year-old <laughs> has read that book. Exactly. I had just finished 100%. Yeah. So it touched on things, you know, that, you know, not just the epic nature and sort of like some of the scarier stuff in it and everything, but just even such a, you know, theoretically, it's kind of a minor detail in the right. book, Right. But that really struck me as a, as a kid just kind of learning about, you know, stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in, in my book, in this, uh, in this Dark Chest of Wonders, there's a comic book adaptation of The Stand um, written by uh, Roberto Aguilar Sacasa, who is the showrunner for Riverdale. Mm-hmm. And the artist is a guy named Mike Perkins, who's done a lot of stuff for Marvel. And it is the, – the Marvel Comics version is – an adaptation of that giant unedited version of The Stand. And they've got that scene in there where mm-hmm. Stu Redmond sees Jim Morrison or who he thinks is Jim Morrison. And it's just, it, though it really, something like that really stuck with me. And so, you know, over the years, you, you know, you read a lot more Stephen King, you read a lot more books, you read a lot more, you know, books that maybe fall under the literary category yep. versus, you know, the, um, you know, more popular fiction or whatever. And The Stand has always been on my list of my favorite books. Um, and I think, you know, at least as a Stephen King standalone book, it was, it, it still remains number one for, uh, for the effect that it had on right. me. Um, yeah. I'm so. speaking with Andy Burns. The book is called This Dark Chest of Wonders, 40 Years of Stephen King's The Stand. And uh, it is amazing how there, there's something that happens when you're first discovering like great books or great movies or whatever it is when you're a kid that stays with you. And, you know, uh, for me, it was sort of like going to see adult movies for the first time. And, you know, some of my favorite movies, even though I know that arguably they're not great movies, but movies like The Poseidon Adventure and that kind of thing, because I was finally old enough to see them. And then I was sitting, I remember sitting in a movie theater watching The Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean, a uh, Paul Newman movie. Someone gets shot with a shotgun and it blasts a big hole in his chest. (laughs) And as I remember it, the camera starts uh, on the guy's face. It goes down and shoots part of the scene through the hole in his (laughs) chest. And, And amazing. To me, that kind of blew my mind. And, you know, whether that scene plays out exactly the way it does in the movie, uh, I don't know, but my memory tells me that it does. And and it's very important to me to sort of hang on to those moments because I remember how I felt when I discovered that stuff, how you felt when you read about Jim Morrison and you had just read No One Here Gets Out Alive. To me, uh, that's what makes uh, the, the very foundation of, of uh, you know, the taste that will evolve 
over the, the coming years. When we come back, uh, we'll continue the conversation with Andy Burns. His book is This Dark Chest of Wonders. It's all about the stand. You can find digital copies at Amazon.ca, anywhere you legally download books. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. This Dark Chest of Wonders, 40 Years of Stephen's King, The Stand, uh, is available as a download now at Amazon.ca, Amazon.com, anywhere you legally download books, you'll be able to find this. The author is Andy Burns. He's in studio with me now. Uh, we've talked about uh, the limited edition of the hardcover book, the digital copies out there, easy for people to uh, find. But what will they find in the book? You've talked about The Stand. Uh, you interviewed a lot of people uh, that were involved in various iterations of this, although and it's fair to say you've talked about this. We didn't interview Stephen King, but no. that's okay. You know, it's, it is one of those things where, and, and truth be told, King does not talk to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and He tends to write articles for Entertainment Weekly yep. and, and put out whatever he, he, he controls his message by uh, writing essays rather than doing interviews. Absolutely. And, you know, I hope and I... At the end of the day, and and you and I talked about this off air, but would it have been great to have him in the book? Absolutely, oh, well, you know, one hundred percent. I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. Yep. Anyway, and I'll t- one of the things that I was happy about is you know you you do a re- the, the impetus for the book was the idea that the that the stand was turning forty, and it's not just one and done with the book. There right. were mul- multiple iterations of the book. There was, there's the audio book that's been done twice. Yeah, by the same guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, which is, the first one was the shorter one. Yeah. So, <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of work goes into it. Um, there's the miniseries that Mick Garris directed that was in the in the early 90s. There's the comic book version. And now there's also the CBS All Access version that we're going to see from director Josh Boone. I managed to talk to a lot of people because to me there was a story that didn't end when it, you know, when King finished writing the book. Right. There was the story of what inspired him. All sorts of sort of different life things and character things. The Patty Hearst story, you know, was a, was a big factor in, in the creation of Randall Flagg, who we talked about earlier. Um, so for me, the idea was in this book to tell the story of The Stand and all its iterations. And also the idea where you're talking to someone like Mick Garris, who directed the film, and how you do an adaptation and how you direct it. Or when, or speaking with uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa and Mike Perkins uh, and a guy named Ralph Macchio, who's not the Ralph Macchio, but Ralph Macchio who that's, works for... I'm sure that's plagued him. He, he, <laughs> every every single day kid. of his life, he had to say, no, I'm not the karate kid. <clears throat> but a heck of a sweet guy who who's worked for Marvel Comics for, for I would say, probably th- at least 30 years, who... Uh, who helped steer the ship for all their Stephen King adaptations. So the idea really for the book was let's tell the story that started with, um, you know, long before the publication in 1978, you know, that started with Stephen King's inspirations Mm -hmm. all the way up to today. Um, And people were really open to talking. You know, I talked to Jamie Sheridan who played Randall Flagg in the, uh, in the miniseries and he's a really nice guy, but you could, there's an intensity to talking to him too. And he, you know, this was a, a a role that he did more than 20 years ago, but, you know, he could remember it yesterday. And, you know, we were talking about the doors earlier, and he tells this story in the book about um, he's driving. He's with the character um, of Nadine, 
and they've just had sort of their first encounter and she is traumatized and he was driving, you know, on the on the highway heading into Las Vegas and Jamie told me how he was singing just off the cu- off the cuff yeah, yeah. 5 to 1 by the door right. 5 to 1 1 and 5 no one here gets out yeah. alive, right? And he's like really into it and he's telling me how he's really into it and then he pulls pulls into wherever he's supposed to hit his mark in the car and uh Mick Garris, the director, yells cut, and he says, that was great. We can't use it. Because no one wants to pay for the— Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so it's, it was great because, you know, working on this book, you know, you're hearing these great stories yeah. that no one had ever heard before. So really, uh, you know, I think if you're into Stephen King, you know, this isn't a book that— you know, is going to go up the New York Times bestseller seller list or anything like that. When I, when I, you know, when I had the idea, in a lot of ways it was written for people that love King. Yeah. Now, the good thing about that. There's a lot of those there's people. There's a lot yeah. of those people. Um, uh, and there's a lot of people who love The Stand. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at the same time, there's a lot of people that love, may have only seen the miniseries. Yeah. But they can get, you know, it's almost like a. Uh, someone reviewed it, and they referred to the book as the um, as the director's commentary or a Blu-ray right, yeah, extra. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. yeah, that's hey, that's I'll take that review. That's great. The book is called The Dark Chest of Wonders, 40 Years of Stephen King's The Stand. My guest in studio is uh, the author Andy Burns. It's been getting good reviews. Uh, your publicist was kind enough to send over uh, quotes like, an amazing journey through one of Stephen King's most important books. The Dark Chest of Wonders is a brilliant, insightful, and insanely entertaining look into Stephen King's magnificent landmark model or landmark novel. Uh, you di- you dive deep and deliver on every page. It goes on and on. Like That's going to make you feel pretty good. My mom is so sweet. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Y- you know what? I'll, I'll tell you. One guy who... Um, when you, when you do something like this, and, you know, you want to get blurbs. I mean, yeah. you've written books you, yeah. books. you know how it goes. One of the guys that I actually heard from was uh, Mike Flanagan. And Mike Flanagan is – he just directed a version of Dr. Sleep, which is the sequel yeah. to The Stand. Um, and not only the, that, he did the um, the Haunting of Hill House right. on Netflix. And you, so – Terrifying. Yeah. yeah. And so to sort of get affirmation from, you know – Guys who sort of, you know, directed and worked in, in, in King's world is great. I heard from uh, from Josh Boone, and Josh Boone is now directing the CBS all-access version right. of The Stand that will be probably, hopefully we'll see it sometime next year. Um, and he has been working on putting this together, uh, uh, this new version of The Stand for years. And I managed to get, you know, get the book in his hands, and he loved it too. So, I, you know... You hope for the best when you put out something. You, yeah. you know this. You know you, you you feel confident, but you never know. You know. Once it's out there, you never know. Yeah, you never know. And uh, you know, the, I've never written anything exactly like this. Except the closest thing would be my book about the movie The Devils, the right. Ben Russell book. And you know that one we blurbed the heck out of, and it was exciting, man. Like Terry Gilliam, get an email from Terry Gilliam that he loved the book. John Landis, people, uh, David Cronenberg. It was uh, Guillermo del Toro loved it. So you know, it was those were cool days. Those yeah. were really exciting, cool days. But then the book comes out, and you have no idea how people are going to respond. You know, they say don't look at the comment section when yeah. you. Uh, yeah. um, but, you know, truth be told, I go on Goodreads and I look at the comments yeah. and I'm happy with it. You know, yeah. like it seems it, for me, it's all about can I am I happy with what the book is? Because yes. I've, I've got 10 books out. I can think of one 
that I'm not particularly happy with. It's early on and I wasn't uh, confident enough in my abilities to say no to a publisher that I wasn't, that I was working with. Yeah. Other than that though, uh, you know, I'm happy with, and I won't let them go until I'm happy with them. That's, that's, that's the way to do it. You know, this was my second book and you and I had the experience because yeah. we both done pop classics books for uh, ECW press. Um, and I did one on Twin Peaks and I, and I was very happy with that, but, uh, with how that turned out, um, different, two very different kind of books, yeah. you know, the, the pop classics book is, is more of, you know, sort of a easily accessible thesis type, yeah. kind of thing, which is what I, which is what my Twin Peaks book was with this dark chest of wonders. I felt, um, that this was a little bit more me in terms of being able to tell a story, right. um, a pop culture story. That's the stuff that I love to do. You yeah. know, I, I run a pop culture website, Biff Man Pop, um, and that's all about telling stories of pop culture. And so that's what I feel, I, I hope I, I was able to do with this Dark Chest of Wonders. And by the reaction of the fans, you know, in the, in the nice comments on Goodreads, which are, and they're all nice, yep. it's, I, I managed to do that. So that, that's pretty fulfilling. Yeah, as you say, there are a lot of Stephen King fans out there. Uh, we've just got a minute left in this segment. Who's the typical Stephen King fan? You can't even, Richard. Yeah. I mean, you know what? It is, and that is... That is the brilliance of his work as he has progressed as as an author. Um, you know, something like a book like Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, which yeah. is a, another opus, and it is absolutely fantastic. It is one of the best books that he's ever written. is is not a horror novel, mm -hmm. you know, and he gets you know people often think of him still as that horror guy. Yeah. It is about JFK and someone going back and what happens if you stop the assassination. It is an epic book itself that you know crossed a lot of lines. So I think. You, you know, you, there's lots of people that love horror and will gravitate towards Stephen King, but I think he's got enough in his canon at this point that he is he transcends uh, the genre itself. My guest in studio is Andy Burns. His book is called This Dark Chest of Wonders, 40 Years of Stephen King's The Stand. Uh, when we come back, we continue the conversation. Stay with us. Welcome back. The Stand is a post-apocalyptic horror fantasy novel by Stephen King. It expands on the scenario of his earlier short story, Night Surf, and outlines the total breakdown of society after the accidental release of a strain of influenza that has been modified for biological warfare. And that causes an apocalyptic pandemic, which kills off over 99% of the world's human population. I love this. King dedicated the book to his wife, Tabitha, for Tabby, This Dark Chest of Wonders. Obviously, where you grab the title for your book, my guest in the studio, Andy Burns, and his book is called This Dark Chest of Wonders, 40 Years of Stephen King's The Stand. I love that dedication when I saw it. You know, you try and, when I was, you know, sort of trying to come up with the idea, um, you know, the idea for the book, it, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Um, and, and I'm I'm a very lucky person, you know, through my writings for Biff Bam Pop and through my first book, I've, you know, you, you network and you meet people. Yep. Uh, as a freelance writer, I've met people. Um, and a couple of years ago, I reviewed um, a, uh, a book called The Long uh, December by Richard Chismar, and uh, who is the owner of Cemetery Dance Publications. Right. And we became, we st I, it was a great book. It's one of the best books that I've read in a long time. Uh, Richard is very much sort of like a, a Raymond Carver of thrillers and right, in, right. in horror. And, um, I woke up one morning, uh, like I guess it was two years ago now, and you know I'm a little, I can be a little Rain Man esque with when it comes to numbers and, and thinking about you know dates, and and it hit me that what year, what year did the stand come uh, out? Oh, it came out in 1978. 
Uh, that seems like something we're celebrating. I've got a year. I've yeah, got a year exactly. to write a book and get it out. <laughs> and so, you know, on Facebook, uh, on Facebook Messenger, I'm friends with Richard Chismar, and I, I text him. I said, what would I have to do if I had an idea for a book? And he said, do you mean a novel? And I'm saying, no, a book about The Stand. The 40th anniversary is coming up, and I have this idea that we could look at all the iterations that mm. we've seen over the years. And Rich basically said, I would publish that. <laughs> and it was it was that easy. And he, you know, he said, "Give me a, you know, give me, you know, the elevator pitch in a, in an email." And you know, I put it all together. And and the final thing, as I said, you know, we can call it the Stark Chest of Wonders after King's dedication to his, to Tabitha, his wife. And it just kind of went from there, yeah. you know. And it's uh, I love it when it's easy. Oh gosh, when it's it, a good it, idea doesn't it and make it's a easy? difference? Yeah. Oh boy, yeah. um, I, I'm sure you know it as much as I do. You can you can have an idea and sit down at your computer and think this is a great idea. Um, Ideas are easy. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the delivery is yeah. is pain. If it's if it's not the right one, it's painful. But yeah. when you when you when you nail it, it feels great. So this book, The Stand, has had a, a, a long shadow. Over popular culture, we mentioned earlier. There's two audio books. There's a comic book series, the Dark Tower uh, series of books, and a movie. Which I don't know if we talk about that movie or not. Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey playing uh, uh, Randall Flag, sort of sprung out of that. Uh, and there's more. There's a the mini series you talk about, but there's never been the film. No. And I know George A. Romero and King worked on it for a little while in the 80s, I think. Yeah. Uh, why Why has it never been a film? Is it just too big? So in the 80s, I think there was a lot of back and forth. And um, there was a lot of back and forth on the script and how do you do it? And look, to be fair, like those guys were forward thinking back in the, you know, the 80s. Uh, the great late George Romero and King, you know, they always thought that it would be a multi- a multi-film right. sort of extravaganza. Like a Harry Potter kind exactly. of situation. You know, and this is the 80s before we had anything like that or Lord of the Rings, you know. Uh, but they really couldn't get it together. King couldn't, didn't necessarily get a script together that he uh, that he was happy with. There was a screenwriter named Ross Bo Pallenberg who I had a chance to talk to. And he did, um, he did a version of The Stand. Um, he was hired to do a script that is actually out there on the internet that for Stan fans, it is worth checking out. It's very different, right. but he manages to condense things into about, you know, two and a half, three hours in, in not a bad way. It just never came together. And then, you know, in the 90s, um, ABC had had success with the miniseries version of It that people know with um, Tim Curry as Pennywise. Yeah, yeah. And so there was an appetite for the Stan and it, it had room, you know, you had, it was a four night thing, you know, take out the commercials, you've still got six hours. For whatever reason, trying to get it onto the big screen just has seemed problematic. Ben Affleck was attached at one point, and he sort of stepped away from it. Uh, Josh Boone, the director that I've referenced a couple times throughout the hour, um, he was attached to do a large, a big screen version of it. Um, but how do you do it? Yeah. And I think, you know, we we run into a problem that you can sometimes see in Hollywood now where the expectation that everything is is a multi-film. Everything is going to be... It's all about universes now. Exactly. Everything now. And this is, I mean, I, I think we'll get past this. I mean, trends come and go. But everything's a universe. And we're trying, we're seeing the failure of some of these things. The mummy universe was supposed to be uh, a Universal's big attempt to create a Marvel-style 
uh, series of films that were all interconnected featuring characters they already owned, like The Mummy and Frankenstein and Dracula and, Dracula yeah. and all that stuff. But everybody wants this multi picture thing uh, when they realize, I think, that really only Marvel and DC can pull it off with any kind of panache, uh, I hopefully will move back to something that's a little different. And can DC even do it, right? Yeah, they, that's the thing. The, the thing, too, is, you know, you've seen it, like, even with something like The Maze Runner, where, you know, oh, we're going to adapt these books, but yep. it's like, the expectation is that, oh, it'll do well, and you'll be able to do a trilogy, and like, you can't plan for that, because yep. what if the first film is rejected? Yeah. Um, and I think that was one of the problems with The Stand in, in making it into sort of that epic film. Y- you don't know. Like, y- you really don't. I think it is a good example of the first film they could have done without, if it would have bombed, you yeah. wouldn't have seen a second film, right. but it was still a, a contained film in many ways. Right. Um, anthrax. How were Anthrax uh, inspired by uh, by The Stand? Uh, they were inspired to write a song based on The Stand, based on, and this would have been in the late 80s. I, I have to say, to be honest with you, I'm not a huge Anthrax fan, right. and I discovered this. And this this really ties into what we're saying about, you know, the, the, how the, the novel itself has sort of permeated culture. I didn't know that Anthrax had written a, a song about The Stand. I found that out through... A fellow named Chris Ryle who writes the introduction to this Dark Chest of Wonders and he made the reference to it and afterwards I was like, well, geez, I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny where you can find these little things. The Alarm, the same thing. The Alarm did a song that was based on the stands as well. Uh, Come on down and meet your maker, which is, <laughs> you know, which is from the from uh, from the book itself. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty incredible. I mean, this is the reach of Stephen King. And in fact, Anthrax is Scott Ian there, uh, I would say de facto leader and uh, rhythm guitar player. He is a massive Stephen King fan, and his collection of rare and limited edition Stephen King books just got featured not long ago on the web. It got picked up that he was this massive fan. Much like me, though, he still hasn't talked to him either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, why do you think it is that Stephen King casts such a long shadow? He's just one of those names that's just been around. I've been reading him probably since I was 13, 12, 13 years old, something like that. Uh, still writing books, still writing good books at, at a point in his career when often it could be diminishing returns for a lot of other writers. I think one of the things is he, you know, he matters – Today, because he still got it. Mm-hmm. When you're writing a book like um, 11, or even The Outsider that came out last year, which was a really, really strong, strong novel, um, in many ways, he is like The Rolling Stones. Um, the Rolling Stones, <clears throat> excuse me, 50, 52, 53, I want 55 years now, still going. On stage, they're still fantastic. Yeah. Um, they, you saw Kiss last night. I did see Kiss. And, you know, you've got Gene Simmons, who I'm pretty sure turned 70 this year. Did he? Yeah. I think. I think. And you know what? Um, still great. And I think in, in that literary world, Stephen King is still doing that. If, if he couldn't write – look, not every not every book is going to be The Stand. But he's still – like his, his batting average into his 70s now is still pretty great. And I think audiences and readers respond to that. Uh, they just whispered in my ear, uh, Gene Simmons is 70 this year. Oh, my gosh. And still My on Rain tour. My Rain Man thing with numbers. Yeah, uh, still on tour, throwing up blood. Yeah. You know, doing all that stuff. Not flying, though. Not flying anymore. Now no he's flying. on a riser. Right. But I mean, you know, like 70 years old, you, something's got to give. Um, so will you go on and write about other Stephen King books? Is this your thing now? That's a really good question. Um, I think 
I don't know how many, uh, first of all, I don't know how many Stephen King books would actually lend themselves to something as large right. as what I did here. The Dark Tower does lend itself to that. But there are a couple authors out there right now who I ended up talking to for my, for my book. One uh, is a guy named Bev Vincent. The other is a, is a lady named Robin Firth, who was King's assistant on The Dark Tower. Those two authors who've done really essential books on that series, um, I wouldn't even want to try to... Right. I don't think I would have anything to add. Um, so, I think you have to be careful, too. Like, you've written one that everyone's looking to, and they yes. go, wow, that's a great one. You write another one, and people are like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. But after a certain point, if you write uh, more than four books about Stephen King, you may as well write 500 books about Stephen King, because then you're always just going to be the Stephen King obsessive. I don't want to be that guy. You know, I find, in terms of, you know, I have I have a day job, and I have a night job, too, and... Um, when I'm going to write, when I'm going to commit to something, you know, doing doing a, a long form project, I really want to feel super engaged with it. Yeah. And that comes back to what we were talking about earlier about the idea, right? So whatever I do next in terms of, you know, in terms of the next book, it's got to be the idea where it's like, oh, this is the right thing for me to do. Um, when, because- I'm, when I'm planning stuff now, uh, and I'm planning one right now, but I take six months or so and I just make notes. And I think that if after six months, it's still on my mind, it's still kind of percolating around there, and the notes are adding up to something, then it's worth it for me. If not, scrap heap. I think that's a great way to do it. And, I, and uh, quite truthfully, I'm going to take that that stand. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's what I'm going to do because, you know, <laughs> without being too philosophical, you know, life is short. Time is time is not, uh, fine. you know, yeah, it's, it's finite. Yeah, it's, yeah. So it's what do you want to do? We have to leave it there. Andy Burns is the author of This Dark Chest of Wonders, 40 Years of Stephen King's The Stand. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me and always a pleasure. Thanks to Andre on the board and thanks to you for listening. We'll talk again next week.